your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. We have a little bit of a different spin on the show today. I don't have a guest on because there's something I've been wanting to do a show focused on for quite some time, and that is the subject of picky eating. It's something that I've specialized in, and I'm working on my own book on this subject, and I really would love to be here for you today to help answer some of your questions and give you some good guidance as to how to deal with picky eating. You know, a 100 years ago... Food was enjoyed, it was appreciated, it was accepted in whatever form it was served. There were no kids' menus in restaurants, food was pure, it was simple, and really it was naturally nutritious. But as this kind of demand has increased for convenience, we have quickly become lost in prepared food, packaged food, canned foods, and because the foods don't taste naturally good on their own, Manufacturers have been putting things in like artificial flavors and flavor enhancers like MSG to make it taste better than it actually really is. Each generation has become more resistant to returning to whole foods until now because really prompted by wonderful organizations like Weston A. Price and Slow Foods, our generation is really waking up to the fact that the majority of what is in our grocery stores is really a type of poison. So it, the point, my blame today doesn't all rely, go on to the food industry. I really put some, put kindly onto the parents. And this isn't uh, any time to feel guilty because goodness knows I was in the same shoes as many others. But we've also come to a point where we are not wanting to deal with the battle. We don't want to uh, fight at the dinner table. We don't want to have to um, conjole our children every different meal to eat something that's good for them. So parents have kind of taken a, an easy road out as well, too. But quickly what parents find is that their child becomes so tremendously restrictive that they become almost trapped in that they can't go places, they, um, they beg for a single vegetable to get down, and this is where I really want to help people today. Now, my lecture to you to all today is not so much for taking a baby and making a baby a great eater. It really is more for the parent that has a, a 5, 6, 7, even 10-year-old, maybe even a teenager who they're wanting to make the shift with because that's where the really cha- real challenge comes in. It's pretty simple to... Um, work with a baby compared to how it is to, to change someone around. But um, I know that one of the big factors with babies, especially in dealing with autism, is when you're dealing with sensory dysfunctions. And that's kind of a subject for a whole different piece, is kind of working on um, how to deal with sensory dysfunction. But we'll, we'll cover that a little bit today. So I really want you to stay and listen today. Um, if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, or you're just really wanting to know why there are so many children meals, kids meals out there that have the most disgusting array of food on them and we're not giving these vegetables that we need to be. So I'll start with my own personal story because I think this helps understand why I've gotten into this field. And my son Joey was by far my greatest education. He had severe, severe autism, extreme to um, the point where he had no eye contact, he had no receptive knowledge, he had no communication whatsoever. And he was on a gluten and casein-free diet, which restricted his intake even more. And he pretty much self-limited himself to Barbara's brown rice crisp cereal and rice milk. And that is what he wanted pretty much throughout the entire day. And there was very little else that I could give him, or so I thought. I really just was so exhausted with being a parent of a child with severe autism 
that that was like one of the least battles that I wanted to fight with. I felt so guilty for all the pain he suffered in his life that I felt the one thing I could do is at least give him the food I wanted. But as I ask so many parents, what is your child eating now? And and I hear, you know, the goldfish crackers and the pizza and the macaroni and cheese and and um, the the milks of chocolate milk frequently, all different times of those types of things. And, and I say, you know, you're going to have to take those foods away if you're going to want your child to eat something nutritious. And they say, oh, if I take my children off of that, they don't starve. Well, of course, my response to that is always, nutritionally, they already are starving. They can't survive nutritionally and metabolically on a diet that's filled with those types of foods. So let's talk about then how um, I moved out of that was really an awareness. And that's why today I want to help bring this awareness to you because I honestly didn't think it was attainable. I thought there's no, there's no way I'm going to get my child to eat these foods. And if I had felt for a second that somebody was in my shoes and had walked my walk and had made it through, I think I would have looked for a different strategy. And that's where I want to help you today. Um, I also have another teenage daughter now, um, Joey's twin sister now. They're actually, on Sunday, they'll be 15 years old. And I have an uh, 11 and a half year old So I've done these types of theories with them as well, too. And I'm sure I've got something here for everybody, um, no matter what your struggle might be. I would love to spend a lot of time talking about nutrition and what your children really should be eating. But that's just something I don't have time for today. So my only um, comment towards what kind of they should be eating is I usually don't have to convince people to give their child um, a a grain or something grain-based. It's the meats and the vegetables. Even fruits most kids will eat somewhat readily. But it's the fruits and the vegetables that I really want to get down um, the, the, the techniques towards getting our children to eat those. So I'm going to put this into 10 steps today. And the first step is understanding textures. This is really big with the autism community. And I work with children, not just children with autism, but many different types, Um, not always just children on the spectrum either. And because I have seen so many children that have no diagnosis whatsoever that are facing the same texture difficulty. Now, the reason texture difficulty sometimes stems is based on a lot of the same things that cause autism, things such as heavy metal toxicity, um, poor metabolic functioning, uh, imbalanced immune system, poor detoxification. These are all bases for um, why this texture problem may be beginning. But the important thing is how we understand how to deal with textures. So, My favorite story with this, and if you've heard me speak before, you've heard this story many times, but I really think it it helps parents understand what their children are going through. And that has to do with um, the story of, in China, they eat, and actually many places in Asia, not just China, they will eat things that would be completely repulsive to many people in the United States, one of them being worms. Now, it's not eaten rampantly throughout all of China, but there are places where worms are consumed. And this is the reason I bring this up is I want you to think about this worm. I want you to think that, okay, so if this worm was raised in decent conditions, if you're going to actually reason this out and you know that it's not a poisonous worm and you you know that it's something that people are eating around you, why would you not eat the worm? Well, more than likely, it's not so much the fear of the taste as much as the fear of the way it feels in your mouth. Now, think about that because it probably, as everything else, tastes like chicken, but not that I've tried it, but it's probably just that feeling of what it's going to feel like when it crunches in between your teeth and what's it going to feel like when it oozes out. Those are the fears, and that's where these texture fears get stemmed from. If you can really understand what the children are going for, you can create things within your own household that can make it easier for your child to be able to palate. So the beginning of this might be understanding that, yes, certainly people will disguise the worm. What would it get for you to take the, eat the worm? Well, if you, we're, we'll talk later on about sneaking things in and 
that might be the original, uh, that might be where we need to go with this. But I am not 100% big on just sneaking things in. The reason that I'm not is because I kind of feel that um, if you do that, you never really teach the children how to um, handle textures, and it's so important that you do. So you really have to start with extremely small amounts. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, let's talk about how you introduce new textures. We'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. ReadyZorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the fine gold program. Ask your doctor about Redizorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redizorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, and thank you for rejoining us as we're talking about picky eating today. And the subject we're talking about right now is textures. And I'm trying to help you understand texturally what the children are going through. And um, So going back to what we were speaking about earlier was this basic worm story, and, and what would it take to get you to eat the worm? So think about this. What would it take? Now, for one, I'd have to be really hungry. I mean, I'd, I'd, I would not be trying a worm if um, I had just had been nibbling on goldfish crackers all day or drinking juice all day, and I'd have to also be witnessing through example. I'd have to be around people that I saw actually eating the worm, knowing that they were not dying from actually eating it. So that's, that's a big piece right there is having that example in your household. I would have to have it and get it in very small amounts, very, very small amounts. And that's where it becomes palatable. When you introduce something in minuscule amounts and you have enough of a reward to compensate, that's how you're going to be more willing to try something because it doesn't seem so overwhelming. You may even, as for example, you're starting a little, you're starting, you want your child to eat a hamburger, but they, all they ever want to eat is french fries, but you really want to get meat down your child. So you take the smallest, most minuscule piece of hamburger that you can find and you hold up their favorite french fry and it becomes 
this behavior approach of first this, then that. Just ask them to put it on their tongue, and then maybe they get their first fry just for even putting it on their tongue. Keep thinking in those terms of what would it take to get you to feel comfortable with it, and you can help them understand. So um, as you gradually desensitize and bites become bigger and bigger, it becomes something that you're used to. You're used to the flavor. It may not be your favorite thing in the world, but at least you get used to it and you know how it's going to handle. You may want to dip it. Dipping is, a, is a, something that a lot of children enjoy doing. So by making sauces and things that they can dip the worm, so-called worm, but actually the hamburger or whatever it might be into, it makes it a lot of fun for them. So that's another tip there. Now the next step is really removing the addictive foods. I teach a lot of gluten and casein-free diets, and I do feel very strongly still for autism or anywhere on the spectrum that that's a very essential first step towards biomedical improvement. But um, there are a lot of other foods that are exceptionally addictive also. One of the top ones is high fructose corn syrup. And actually, many of the processed, uh, the genetically modified corn in general is very addictive. For one, the, the, the corn syrup, the high fructose corn syrup is chemically based. And even though some of the corn chips and the, the corn cereals that are out there may not be from just from high fructose corn syrup, many of them are made with the GMO corn that is not very digestible. Now, corn in general is, is one of bacteria's favorite foods. It feeds bacteria very rapidly in the stomach. And anybody who has any type of bacterial problems, any kind of ulcer problems, any kind of like Klebsiella or Clostridium, anything such as that, corn may end up being very difficult to be able to remove because it becomes so addicted on, very much like, like the situation with yeast. If you have somebody and you're working with a child who has extreme yeast overgrowth, which so many of our children do now because of prolonged antibiotic use, because of the lack of uh, probiotic, excuse me, prolonged antibiotic use and for the lack of probiotics in their diet, that this is something that they um, are very triggered towards is having these problems with yeast. So things that feed yeast typically are the vinegar-type foods, um, the, the, obviously the high-sugar-type foods. But the bigger, and when you have a child that's craving pickles, for example, there's a very good chance that you're dealing with yeast overgrowth because they're trying to feed that yeast. Just like if you've got a big deal with um, someone who's always wanting corn chips, they probably have some sort of bacterial overgrowth. But then there's other foods that are addictive too, things like MSG, monosodium glutamate, which now is termed under so many different names. Um, I urge you to do a Google search on uh, uh, foods that MSG can be in uh, because you'll be amazed at how many names they can give it, including yeast extract. They can give it something as simple as natural flavoring, and it can be MSG. But MSG can be very toxic to some. Not not everyone processes it the same way, but certainly anybody with a poor detoxification system may have a hard time with MSG. And so foods like Tyson chicken nuggets or McDonald's chicken nuggets, I hear those a lot, and those are the only kind the kids will eat. Well, the first thing that I think that the addiction for is not so much the breading on the chicken or not so much the chicken. The addiction there is the MSG that's put in those chicken nuggets. So uh, caffeine can be a big addiction. I know it's making me very sad to see a generation of children grow up with these addictions to these monster sodas, these Mountain Dews, and these things that are causing their brain vessels, uh, blood vessels to swell and the restriction is causing huge headaches in many of them, and it's very addictive as well. So, the, so in step two, my suggestion is you need to get rid of the addictive foods. Now, I, I'm big on moderation for many other types of foods, but when it comes to an addictive food, sometimes the only way out is to completely remove the food until the addiction is surpassed. And that's something that you need to discuss with your um, medical professional or some, a diet counselor that you might be working with because that's pretty much individualized, but that might be the next step towards moving on. The third step is the motivation, and this is also referred to as the behavioral approach, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier with the textures and the have this little teeny, teeny bite of the hamburger and then you get the french fry. That's, um, 
that's kind of where the motivation is, the behavior. The, the words that they use in ABA therapy are, they call it first this, then that. And the theory behind it really is just to have that motivation for wanting to eat that little bit. But it plays a lot with the texture piece because by having that small little bite and knowing that it's comfortable still in their mouth, they're more willing to try bigger and bigger and bigger bites. And having motivation, in other words, motivational food. So, for example, your child should never just be able to eat if you're, if you're dealing with picky eating, you never want to just give them a bag of chips if that's what they love. You want each chip to be a reward for a bite of something else. And over time, it becomes easier. I know at the beginning it's very hard because you actually have to sit with your child, but they become used to that kind of first, first the snow pea, then the chip. Snow pea, chip, and it's kind of that alter of behavior. If you gave them a big pile of snow peas or a big pile of carrots and said you first have to eat these, then eat the chips, it's going to overwhelm them. It's way more than they can handle. So it's best to do bite for bite. It takes more work on the parent's point part, but after a while, they'll get enough into the routine that they'll, they'll know what the rules basically are. And we're going to move on right now to, because um, it kind of coincides with that, which is step four, which is triangle meals, as I like to call them. And that's how I have taught my kids to eat all of their meals and, and we always have at least three foods at every meal. We have a protein, we have a vegetable, and we have something of some type of a starch, baked potato, some rice, um, maybe it's a, some kind of a whole grain bread or something like that, depending on um, who the child is, something that's really going to motivate, maybe some pasta. But the, the point is to have this kind of balance. And you basically work in a way of, a bite of vegetable, a bite of meat, bite of potato. Bite of vegetable, a bite of meat, bite of potato, and kind of work in this triangular. Some parents I know have even gone out and bought triangular plates to keep their portions as to what they want to do. And then after they've eaten all of their vegetables, all of their meat, they can certainly have more of the starch. The point is just to get those equal amounts down first. And then if they, run, if they really want to have more of the starch, then I'm, I'm always for that. It's just getting the portion down. Now, what is the portion? That's the big question. How much meat? How many vegetables? And how much starch can I give them? And that, once again, it's your own personal situation because it depends if you're trying to combat a yeast overgrowth, if you're trying to combat a digestive um, abnormality or something such as... Um, you know, you're needing to be on a more restricted carbohydrate diet, something such as that. So that, that really has to play into this. But for a standard child, for the, for the everyday child, the basic type of a ratio is that you want to have, um, you, you want to just keep, usually I like to think of the uh, protein in the vegetable to be the size of their fist really. If so if you have a small child and they have a small fist, they don't have to do that much. If you have a larger child, then they should really be up going on the protein and the vegetables. If that seems like way too much food, then you have to look at two things. Number one, is the person or the child snacking too much? Because that's a big problem. Over snacking really leads to um, leaky gut situations and uh, it's, it's very hard on the body. But um, certain blood types, like the O blood types, need to have more than just those three meals a day. So you have to kind of play into that. But the point is, is that if you're not going to eat that much at meal time, then all you have to remember that during snack time too. So that if they are going to be having snacks, then they're needing to eat a portion of what that required protein is at another time. Now, big question always: Do I demand the vegetables at breakfast time? That's a that's a hard one because. I, I would love to see America starting serving bre- vegetables for breakfast or something with green substance for breakfast that's not related to green jello, but it's very challenging. I understand that, and that may not be um, a, a, an avenue you're ready to go down yet, but it, don't, don't be so afraid of vegetables at breakfast time. If, if you don't like the idea of a vegetable at breakfast time, maybe substituting the fruit for where you would have the vegetable normally and having just making sure you keep the protein part of it high because we need our protein in the morning. 
Okay, so that that's moving on from the little triangular meal theory. And, and next I want to go into creative food. And this is something that's um, stressful to so many families because they're so bored at mealtime. And because they're bored at mealtime, they're eating out more often. They, they want to try new recipes, but it, I know from a parent's point of view, it's very hard to go you shop for the ingredients, you try the recipe, it doesn't turn out, people don't like it, and you've just spent all this time and you just really feel lousy about it, and then you don't even want to try it again so that you get stuck on the same type of recipes. So a couple things that might help you to stay creative in your own household. First off are some basic things that every kitchen should have, and that is um, kind of some, some of the basics, really stocking your pantries with cans and jars and spices of things that um, are um, going to help add fun to any meal, but things that you can keep on and you don't have to be shopping for every week or so. Um, one of my favorites in this is really good olive oil and a really good balsamic vinegar. More oileries are popping out around the country where you can buy some good quality olive oils and good balsamic vinegars that can have some really fantastic flavor to your foods. And I highly recommend investing in that. We're going to take another break. When we get back, let's talk more about bringing spice into your kitchen. We'll be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. ReadySorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the fine gold program. Ask your doctor about ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B dot com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. Hello, welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about picky eating, and I'm giving you some of my favorite suggestions for creating a healthy diet and overcoming the picky eating child. Um, and what we've been talking about right now is creative food and how to add creativity back into your diet. And one of those ways is really the spice. Bringing the spice into your life is a great analogy because it's exactly what I want you to do. You know, um, packaged food is seemingly very appealing to people because it seems like 
You don't have to do many more than one or two steps. But we spend a tremendous amount of money on packaged foods that really don't taste as well as fresh and are so heavily overcharged, not to mention the garbage problem that we're contributing to by always having to have our little servings in packages. So what I'd like to see you do is to get more involved in spice. Now, I love Penzi Spices. There's a lot of really great spice company stores that are out there, and I really urge you to go and to indulge in buying some really fun and exciting spices. And, and I'm not a big fan of things like McCormick's or some of the cheaper spices you find in the regular grocery stores. Get some really good quality. Penzi's is a great company. It's P-E-N-Z-E-Y-S. You can do mail order or some of the great organic spice companies that you can find at some of the health food stores such as Frontier and Spice Hunter um, and some of the other really great ones. But to have some fun with flavor seasonings, for example, poultry or lamb, this way, if you're really not sure what spices go well with what, if you have a good poultry one, a good lamb seasoning, a good steak seasoning, then you can just specifically use those for what you needed. Today, um, just this morning, I, I wanted to have um, uh, grilled chicken tonight for dinner, and I always think in the morning, what, what am I going to have for dinner so I can take it out of the, of, of the freezer or whatever it might be, so last night I took my, my chicken out. I, I always buy my chickens whole because it's the cheapest way to do it, and you can buy great organic chickens that way. And I cut them up, cut it up this morning, and I put it in some really good olive oil, some wonderful vinegar, and I um, marinated it in um, a Pente's has this great vinaigrette spice. It's spice meant for salad dressings. You can use salad dressings for this that are already pre-made, um, although I'm I'm not a big fan of pre-made salad dressings unless you're getting something like Annie's or something that does not have MSG in it. I also am not a fan of soy oil, so a lot of the salad dressings use cheap soy oils, and it's so easy to make your own. So just marinating that chicken for the day, and I'll be able to go back tonight, and it'll be very, very quick after a long day of work. I will just be able to just put, put it on the grill, and it will have a great flavor to it. So these, these are the pieces. Some days I get home and I'm just really tired, and it's nice to just be able to sprinkle something on and know what it's there for. Um, another way to, to bring creativity into your life is to start eating at ethnic restaurants. Now, I have another section I'm going to talk about ethnic food, but I mean to start eating at, 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 um, at ethnic restaurants so you can start realizing what you like. Um, I got into a really big Indian stage for a while where I just wanted to cook Indian food all of the time. And I got there by going to numerous Indian restaurants and figuring out, I like this, I like this, I don't like this. And so I was able to find recipes that coincided with what it was I actually liked, as opposed to reading a recipe, having no idea what it's going to taste like, and then putting a lot of time and investment into that. Um, So... That's always a good way is just to kind of sample foods outside. All right, let's go on to step six, which is sneaking in nutrition. And as I said before, I I think that this is a good thing to do. I know Jessica Seinfeld with her book um, really brought this to fruition. A lot of people, the thought of sneaking and pureeing vegetables into foods. And I don't think it's the only way you should get your vegetables down your children, but I do think that there's some wonderful merit to that, and it's a good, good thing to do occasionally. Um, one of my favorite things to do is things like mashed potatoes with cauliflower. So you do half mashed potatoes and, and half cauliflower, cooked cauliflower, and um, it, it becomes just more palatable that way because you're getting a little bit of what you expect and a little bit of what you don't expect in the taste. I have a very uh, funny story because my daughter... Uh, my daughters are so used to me doing this. My my son just puts up with whatever, but my my daughters are used to me doing this. And my daughter sat down to the dinner dinner table a couple months ago and said, "All right, don't tell me what I'm eating until I'm done." And I thought that was so funny because it's exactly <laughs> she she knows she's going to like it. She knows she's going to enjoy it. She just doesn't want to know that there's beets that are pureed into her brownies or that there is. Uh, squash pureed into her meatloaf. And and my kids are great vegetable eaters, so I don't really have to sneak much of anything in anymore. But I also feel that mashed potatoes with 
cooked cauliflower in it has a great flavor to it, so I don't feel like that's really a sacrifice. So pureeing things when you can, but I always do recommend having a truthful ending because if you just serve that and they have no idea they're eating vegetables, they also don't know that they can handle vegetables. So finish the meal by saying, um, did you like that? Yes, I like that. Okay, I just want you to know that there were some really cool things in this. And they may say, oh, why did you have to tell me? But you do need to tell them because you deal need to say, look, you ate it, you survived, you like it, and maybe next time you'll be more willing to try it. So we'll just move straight into step seven, which is eating out. And this really is a challenge for some more than others. If you live in San Francisco, if you live in Madison, Wisconsin, if you live even in New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, you do not have a problem finding some good, healthy food around you. The bigger cities, the more healthy metropolitan-type uh, cities that are really focused on pleasing this new generation of healthy eaters, is, or have, we have great health, uh, healthy restaurants popping up all over the place, some that go organic, some that go raw, some that just simply um, incre- include more vegetables, and it makes it very easy. However, if you live in Dubuque or Whitewater, Wisconsin, as my husband and I do, your choices are little to none, and it makes it very, very challenging to eat out, which is why I think I became such a good cook is because I really didn't have the options of eating out where I live the way that some people do in other cities. So that's when, how do you make a, a, a meal healthy if you do have to eat out? One of my biggest pet peeves are restaurants that do not make their own salad dressings. I just somehow feel that that is one of the simplest things that that any restaurant can do, but yet they choose to use the soy oil-based MSG high, high fructose corn syrup sweetened junk that many of them use. So if I do have to eat out in my area, as strange as it may sound, I will bring along usually my own oil and vinegar or some type of salad dressing. I'll put in a little teeny Tupperware container that I can bring my own salad dressing. kind of takes uh, out of the, the, the fun of eating out, but if, if that's another part, that, that can, can help. Um, another way to get some good vegetables in is to sometimes the appetizers are a lot healthier than the meals themselves. Um, I remember one time just being frustrated that I couldn't find anything that wasn't breaded for my daughter except for on the appetizer menu, they had shrimp cocktail. So that was a great meal for her. She absolutely loved it, and it was something that didn't have a bunch of added stuff to it. Um, She just ate the shrimp plain with some lemon juice on it, which is how she likes it anyway, and that that ended up being a great meal for her. Um, But this this kids menu thing is it just really blows me away how restaurants do not give credit to any children to eat a vegetable and maybe i i should sympathize more with them that's what the demand is and people aren't going that route and they see the vegetables just being thrown away time after time after time but at least should be an option for the children so for those of us who do find it necessary to give our kids vegetables it's there so typically if I, if I'm really hurting for getting some vegetables, because I've been to many restaurants where it's the potato and the piece of meat and there's no vegetables even thought about, I always make sure and ask for vegetables on the side and make that a part of their meal because I just can't see getting through a meal without a vegetable involved. It's not good for your pH, your acidity in your, in your body. It's obviously you're going to be lacking your antioxidants and It doesn't digest well without vegetables because there's so many wonderful enzymes involved with vegetables, even though many of these restaurants do overcook. But those are all things to be noted. Another part is splitting meals. Now, if you're going out to eat and and you have one or two children, try to find something that works for... I I find myself, you know, because I'm such not a picky eater, I'll just split with whomever wants what. So somebody maybe um, wants to have the hamburger, but I know it's a, when I had little, little children, I knew they weren't going to eat the whole hamburger, then I would, that would be my meal as I would get the rest. And then I'd maybe order some vegetables on the side, and that really helps supplement it. Um, as, as kids get older, this becomes less of a problem. But when they're little, think of splitting meals. And, of course, always taking home what's left over as opposed to ordering them these 
child menus. Get them excited about what's on the regular menu. That will be a great gift to them for a lifetime. All right, we're going to move into step eight, uh, and that is basically the special occasion. And I, I call this the special occasion because I hear this over and over again from my kids, from other parents, and the words are, but i got to have this. It's a special occasion. Now, if you really added up all of the holidays, all of the birthday parties at school and friends and uh, within your family, all of the times that it seems to be this special occasion, you will quickly see that just about every other day holds some sort of a special occasion. And it becomes a sometimes candy or treat fest for these times of the years that are special occasions. Um, so if, if that is, first off, a concern of yours and you're, you're aware that this is a problem, the first thing I suggest is at least trying to keep special occasion foods away from the high fructose corn syrup. If you can, sugar is so much better for you than high fructose corn syrup, but I'm not saying sugar is great for you. I'm just saying it's way better for you than high fructose corn syrup. So if you do need to do a treat, a homemade treat that is made with, um, you know, that you maybe you, where you have made it and not put a lot of preservatives into it, that is a much better um, result. Now, Rice Krispie Treats made with regular marshmallows are not really considered a homemade treat as much because those are still using high fructose corn syrup. But stay away from the candy, and that will make the special occasions a little bit better. I have to take another break. When we get back, we'll finish talking about other foods that you can be serving around those special occasions. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. ReadyZorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical free. And there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the Fine Gold program. Ask your doctor about ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.readisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B dot com. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back, and today we're talking about picky eating, and we are on the subject of the special occasion and what to do when there's so many birthdays, so many parties, so many celebrations, club meetings, sports parties, family events, all the different things that qualify as these special occasions, and our children are eating junk after junk after junk after junk because of them. So here, here, a few tips. is Number one, my one of the things is if something's 
special about the situation. I just specifically said to the kids, I'll say, you know, that's fine. You can have the cupcake. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your friends, that type of thing, to where you're constantly having to turn this down. But can you just drink water? You know, even if they can just drink the water and not have those high seas or Hawaiian punches and, and just have the water, that makes me feel a lot better than when they're getting it both through their liquid and their solid. Um, so that that's one other piece for those school party type events. The other thing is you can't control it as much when they're outside, when they're at these school parties or these sports parties, but you can control it more, more when they're uh, with you. And making sure that they can have that treat as the reward of a well-balanced eaten meal. I do not withhold fun foods. and We do a lot of desserts in my household, but my kids would never even think about asking for a dessert if they chose not to eat all of their dinner. So it, it really has to be more of a give and take. Um, and, and I don't want you to put you in that negotiation piece because you'll lose every time if you're constantly having to negotiate. But figure out what your rules are. Create a compromise before the event. That's really important. So, example, you're going to be going to Grandma's house. There's going to be tons of stuff out there that you know that you're just going to cringe that your child's just going to be grazing on all day. Before you leave, you say, here's the deal. You can have all those special treats that Grandma's going to have out there. But first, I want to make sure you eat at least so much of the meat, so much of the vegetable, and a little bit of rice, and then you can have those things that you want. And if, and if that rule is made before you leave, it doesn't become this begging fest once you're there. So think about those types of things. All right. Step number nine, and that is bringing peace to your home. And the struggle with so many families is that their homes are really chaotic and their kitchens are very unorganized. And my feeling in this situation is that this disorganization in your kitchen creates this kind of unharmonious atmosphere for for cooking, for eating. And I feel that if you can bring a little bit of comfort to your kitchen, it'll come out in many of the different things that you do. Setting up your kitchen is, is a huge step. Getting rid of the clutter. The kitchen is no place to be having bills sitting around. Um, and, and not saying that you know everybody has a dump table in their house, a place where you come through the door and you dump this and you dump that. And, and that's fine that you can have that, but try not to make it near the kitchen or where you can see it from the kitchen so that you at least can see in your kitchen a lot of organization. The other thing is get rid of appliances that you don't use often. I have been to so many kitchens where there are all these appliances sitting out on the counter, and you ask the person, how often do you use this? Oh, I haven't used that in years. So why are you using all this appliance space? I have two places where I keep, I have a, a, a cabinet in the other room where I can keep extra uh, appliances that I don't use often, and I have the basement. So depending on uh, you know, how often I use it, is how accessible it is, even if I use it once a month, it's not that big of a deal to go down to the basement, pull it out once a month, and bring it upstairs and bring it back down when I'm done. I keep big cookware down there as well, too, things that I don't use very often for you know, the big thing that you put your, your turkey in. Keep that out of your basis of your kitchen. Also, even organizing your, um, your plates and your glasses, People have so much junk in some of these drawers, uh, Tupperware containers that you don't even have lids for. Get rid of all of that. Have one area where Tupperware is, and that is the only area, and and don't make it in the main focus area of the house. Some other, maybe another distant place in a box of some sort in your um, in your kitchen where you can you know where it all is, and get rid of pieces that do not match. There is. No magical fairy who's going to finally bring you the top to that bottom that you've had for the last 10 years. So what you want to just make sure is where your main focus is that place that's closest to the dishwasher where you do all your loading and unloading is going to have your basic glasses and your basic plates or your bowls, something that is and, and not with the clutter of things that you barely use, having glasses that match and work. Um, 
that really will add a lot of, of peace to your home. Doing meal planning, another big thing, and grocery planning also, because by doing meal planning and grocery planning, you can really act as a family to bring forward these foods. Uh, sitting down, okay, we got to find seven meals we're going to have this week. What is every, everybody gets a turn. What's the meal you want? Do, 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 and you just write them all down, and you start getting this done once a week. If it becomes a habit at the beginning of the week, it'll be much easier for everyone to stick on it, and it will keep away that impulse of eating out so much. The last step, and my final step, is really creating lifelong habits. I think if you thought that you had to do this forever type of, a, of, a, of an attitude, it would seem so overwhelming that it would just engulf you. But it comes gradually. It has taken me well over a decade to bring my children from extreme picky eaters to children who love and enjoy their vegetables and their meat now so much. And it did not come overnight. I learned a lot, I failed a lot, I succeeded a lot, and I learned what works and what didn't work for my family. Give everybody the patience and understanding they deserve in that this is a shift for everybody. But the biggest piece I can offer you here is you need to set a good example. You can't be telling them one thing and doing something else because of the fact they'll pick up on it. If you will not eat the vegetable and you're telling them to eat the vegetable and you're, you're going to feel guilty when they say, no, I don't want to because you're not doing it yourself. Get into it. And if your vegetables don't taste good, you're buying the wrong vegetables. There's a big difference between the taste of an organic vegetable and a conventional vegetable. And if you don't like the taste of vegetables, it's probably because your vegetables are not enjoying the flavor. You don't need to put cheese over everything. You don't need to put um, sauces over everything. You can enjoy vegetables in their purest form if you buy good quality organic vegetables. Let me tell you, people complain to me all the time of the cost of organic vegetables, and I really take, I challenge you to meet my um, grocery budget the way that you're, what many people are spending on prepared food, eating out, box foods. Yes, I do buy some good quality foods, but by buying them in the whole component, buying good olive oils and buying, making my own salad dressing, buying good spices and not having to rely on boxed things, not having to order pizzas out, I really save a tremendous amount of money on groceries. So I hope that all of my advice helped you today. Praise your children. Get them to enjoy great food and enjoy your meals one after the other. Take care. Bye-bye. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.